Episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike on the line as well. We're getting back. I mean, we took a detour off the ORC Expressway. We're hopping back on here. Another Oscar race checkpoint for your listening pleasure, dear listener. Yeah, I hope uh, everybody got through their VD uh, on behalf of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I we, think, we care uh, deeply about venereal diseases here. Uh, what? What did you? What? What, what did do, I? What, do you what think, did I say? What do you think VD stands for? Oh. <laughs> No, I thought it was a holiday. <laughs> oh, Valentine's Day, yeah. Well, that's how you get venereal diseases. <laughs> I uh, I was just going to say happy VD on behalf of <laughs> MMO. Wait a minute. Oh, I've I been see. saying that all day. <laughs> I wish herpes upon my boss. <laughs> Everybody gave me a funny look, but I just thought that was because, you know, I'm Tis not the season. Cupid or anything. Jesus. Well, that's going to take me at least half an hour of this episode to get past. <laughs> Damn. It's all right. You got to start somewhere, I guess. But yes, happy Valentine's Day uh, if you celebrate it. Happy Super Bowl Sunday if you celebrate it. If you didn't celebrate, uh, happy Sunday and happy Tuesday to you. And you're listening to us hopefully uh, on Wednesday the 15th as we have the Oscar race checkpoint for you today that is, uh, you know, it, it's not as news full in terms of Oscars news as some recent episodes have been. We do have the Oscars luncheon to talk about. We do have the MUAs, the Makeup and Hairstyling Guild Awards. The most Oscary type things are kind of next year's Oscars awards in, tra- in that we had a bunch of new trailers released for upcoming films for 2023 that we're going to talk about at the end of this episode. Yeah, and uh, it's it's always fun to, to get ahead a little bit because otherwise we're just, you know, t- living in the past, man. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. years, you know, it seems like years. <laughs> That's what I do best, and I, I don't want to move on from there, but I'll, I'll do my best for purposes of this episode. Let's start. There was the Oscar nominee luncheon that was back in person and full throttled for the first time since uh, the pre-pandemic days, Michael. Yes, our prestigious Academy and Janet Yang we trust. She mm. addressed the slap, finally, saying that the response was quote-unquote inadequate. Really going out on a limb there. <laughs> look at I, like you got the full quote printed out here what like, she really didn't say much i mean no she didn't she you know this was an opportunity for us to set an example for our guests viewers and our academy family around the world and we fell short unprepared for the unprecedented so you know she says that we're going to be transparent going forward. We learn from this. We got to be accountable on our actions. So the whole story, again, is the next time an A-lister assaults another A-lister on stage during the biggest televised night for movies of the year, the Academy promises transparent, you know, action. She had to say something, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, what do you think is going to go wrong this year? Like, can we get into that? <laughs> because, like, we've already seen wardrobe malfunctions at the Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, at the at Super Bowl, speaking right. of uh, something for later in the show. We've now seen, you know, them announce the wrong award, yeah. just kind of like Steve Harvey, but 
with older white people in, yep. in, in charge of that. Uh, what else could go wrong? Nothing, right? God wouldn't interrupt the greatest show of my life. <laughs> well, there's going to be something. We're going to find out. I like that Pete Hammond for Deadline was on top of this, and we have reports from Pete Hammond of Deadline, from Scott Feinberg of THR, and uh, Clayton, our buddy there of uh, Variety. Uh, we're going to get into all that with the Oscars launch here, but he was saying that like it, this felt like a return to normalcy, and it feels like Jimmy Kimmel is going to be as host as kind of a good thing to get back to normal too for the Oscars and they want to get back to being a, this big celebration this big party this over the top televised event well I, they're back I, to all 23 being in the broadcast so that's good we hope they uh <laughs> the big message there was to keep speeches short everybody paraphrased them for that there was a call and response that Janet Yang put out, too. She was, like, stressing and hammering the 45 seconds for speeches at this year's awards. She was like, okay, how long do you all have? And then the whole room shouted back, 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we'll see if that actually happens. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But uh, apparently Tom Cruise is still a big star, Mike. Yeah, he was the life of the party, according to each and every one of the big cover uh, the trades reports deadline hollywood reporter and variety all said made like went out of their way to mention how tom cruise was schmoozing the room and was a highlight in the way that uh that i guess brad pitt was like the mayor of the golden globes we commented on when we reviewed that it seemed like brad pitt or uh, tom cruise was was that role for this luncheon everybody wanted to step up to meet him yeah there was apparently a queue and like spielberg and gdt all rushed into the queue malala was there with a with a great short film by the way I, I watched stranger at the gate that was awesome 30 minutes go watch it on youtube it's like a new yorker short film excellent it seems scary and then it has a beautiful message my goodness good stranger at the gate that it's probably my number one right now and i liked a bunch of the doc shorts yeah, by the do. way but uh malala is uh you know bowling over people to get to meet tom cruise i mean it's it's wild this guy i mean look at does he have that appeal to the entire academy this is 200 academy members 202 somebody said in one yeah. of the articles so this is not 10,000 so we don't know what the 10,000 is going to do but if this is any indication tom cruise is still a big deal the biggest hollywood stars right now that get the biggest crowds are both white men nearing their 60s or in their 60s yeah that's well what what's changed though that was, i i was gonna say you'd think that's something new but like then you got you think back to jack and that's probably how it's <laughs> that's just how it is i am surprised that tom cruise has that much sway over the room but i guess when you you know as a producer he's he's also a giant deal never mind him still being tom cruise as well I think Feinberg and Davis were both writing about how let's not be too hasty to take too many cues from this event. It's a nice event. It's back to normal, like Hammond said. But, like, can you gauge the applause? Like, the loudest applause apparently came for the Everything Everywhere actors when they announce, because they announce each nominee when they go up and take their place in the, you know, the class photo. So we have JLC, Yo, Quan getting huge rounds of applause. Uh, Feinberg also mentioned Sarah Polly, Brian Tyree Henry, Austin Butler, and of course Tom Cruise. That's the, per his ears. That's what he said. Got, they won the Battle of the Bands applausometer, I guess. Yeah. Do you put any stock in any of that? I like I, I said, it's just a cross section. It's a small cross section. So I guess on the one hand, you could say, all right, they're very popular, right? And this doesn't hurt their popularity. Sure. 
But at the same time, I don't think you could say, oh, now I'm picking Michelle Yeoh over Blanchett. Now I'm picking Austin Butler for sure over Farrell and, and Fraser. I don't know. I, I don't think it goes that far I for me. Would tend, I would tend to agree with you there. Uh, right. the, this was the, the highest turnout. A bunch of trades did mention 182 uh, nominees attended, though there were uh, notable names absent, such as James Cameron, Barry Keoghan. Uh Andrew Riseborough did not show up. Go figure. Kind of funny. She had I her thought. own separate uh, party. <laughs> it was at Courtney Cox's house, yeah. It was a garden party. <laughs> it's where everyone in that room was going after that luncheon was over. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought there was some interesting intel from, like, uh, Clayton Davis. He says, you know, he kind of canvassed the room a little bit and said nobody knows who's winning Best Picture. A lot of people gave him, you know, uh, <laughs> questions about who's going to win, you know, win, and they didn't know, he didn't know. Uh, so that was fascinating there's some doubt in the room from his perspective on everything everywhere otherwise there was also some doubt for best director todd field he was saying got a lot of credit from academy members at this lunch and he thought todd field is beloved in the director category and then some voters may not necessarily be with angela bassett at the academy level we'll have to wait and see how that works because jlc perhaps got the biggest applause of of the of the afternoon I want to pick J- uh, Jamie Lee Curtis for an upset in the SAG Awards for supporting actress, but then I would be picking three acting awards for the SAGs going to the same movie. I just rewatched Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and I know, I know, the Academy doesn't necessarily rewatch the movies, but my God, she, she's not that one scene, but that one scene in Black Panther, holy. God, that's a great yeah. scene. Yeah, it is. What just next level. And she does it Michael Corleone style at the beginning. And then she goes off and she hits the like if you can hit the notes, sing loud, she hits the notes. But then she has like scenes coming in and going out of that are just incredible. Like yeah. Angela Bassett is, is much more than the one scene, but we always have known the supporting actor categories. Like if you have that Oscar real moment. That matters. That sticks in people's brains. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, good call by you. And I have I have not rewatched Black Panther, but yeah, that's uh, certainly the lasting image of Wakanda Forever is a lot to do with Angela Bassett and her character there. So we'll see if that holds up. That's it for the Academy luncheon. Uh, not a lot of news coming out of there, though. It was uh, kind of a a stamp, a, a time for a new CEO and new president to kind of put their mark on what the Academy is going to be going forward with them and also maybe shake the finger of shame at the previous regime for not acting in accordance with what should have been done in their eyes, which was something we agreed with. Go back and listen to our uh, This is the Way the Film Year Ends conversation about last year's Academy Awards when the slap happened live. Mm-hmm. We were like, what the hell is going on? Why isn't the Academy making themselves known? Why isn't Don Hudson doing something? Et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's the Academy luncheon stuff, the Oscar nominee luncheon. Let's talk about the muas, Michael. Okay, well, Everything Everywhere All at Once won contemporary makeup. Everything Everywhere is the only uh, winner at the MUAs that is not nominated at the Oscars in makeup and hairstyling. So I'll go over those winners here now. We have Wakanda Forever taking contemporary hairstyling. Wakanda Forever is 12 to 1, kind of in fourth place in Vegas in makeup and hairstyling, Michael. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have Elvis that took two MUAs period and or character makeup and then period and or character hairstyling for Elvis. Elvis is currently uh, with the second shortest odds, five to two or plus 250 there. Uh, And then the whale won best special effects makeup 
and it won it over Batman, Wakanda Forever, and Elvis. So you had the whale winning head to head over Elvis as perhaps the biggest, uh, the biggest indicator, I would say, if you're going to translate Guild over to Oscar. And the whale is a minus one thirty seven right now in Vegas. Yeah, it's notable that the whale beat Elvis uh, in that lone category where the two were head to head. Special effects makeup is exclusively dealing with the prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Of the makeup. So, yeah, I mean, I guess all that's saying is Brendan Fraser looked better in his prosthetics than Jabba the Hanks did in his, which I uh, makes sense. <laughs> Elvis won the Critics' Choice, and both Elvis and the Whale would go head-to-head at BAFTA as perhaps, like, the final say on the makeup and hairstyling category. But that's one of one of many that I think is kind of whittling down in, into a two-nominee yeah. two race there. Uh, but you never know. Maybe maybe Wakanda Forever has a shot uh, in, in the third lane. So that's cool that it that it took an award as well. But yeah, I would guess I would guess the whale or Elvis right now myself. Did we learn anything from the makeup and hair guild here? I mean, like I feel like when Oscar nominations were announced, the whale was the favorite. Elvis was its main competitor, and we both felt everything everywhere all at once probably should have been nominated. And after the Muaz, the makeup and hairstyling guild awards, we learned that the whale is the favorite. Elvis is its main competitor and everything everywhere all at once probably should have been nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. All right, good. <laughs> we stand where we stood. Michael, a better late than never Grammy segment has got to happen. Uh, you watched it. I'll, I'll kind of lead in with some, you know, industry news about the Grammys here and then you'll review them. The Grammys ratings improved up from 9.6 million of last year up into up to 12.4 million this year. So a ratings bump, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Over the over the years like the Oscars were in the 40s, at least the Grammys kind of reached a high of 39 in 2012. They were in the 30s for quite a bit. The mid 20s uh over the past decade in terms of millions in Nielsen ratings and then they've been kind of that decline that the oscars have been going through but they really kind of hit a low point in the pandemic at at 8.8 in 2021 was their you know franchise low there the grammys yeah and and the oscars like you said kind of followed suit i wasn't going to watch the grammys at all i was going to take in the opening number and see what happened and then kind of tune out and bad bunny lit the world on fire and there's a whole controversy about the way that cbs handled the closed captioning for bad bunny's performance because it was all in uh, spanish mm-hmm. and all the closed captioning said was something like uh non-english being spoken <laughs> so they didn't close caption yeah they didn't cbs didn't close caption the spanish language that was being sung by bad bunny so that was a choice uh but <laughs> I do have some marked differences. I mean, the Grammys were able to hold my attention because it was just a really good watch and it was a really good good show. And I'm sitting there the whole time and I'm like, this thing's going almost four hours. It's like three and a half, the better part of three and a half hours beyond that. Like, why is this so much more enjoyable to watch than any Academy Awards performance? And I wrote down some differences between the two. The first of which is that I'm going to get flack for this. We talked about it in the pre-show, but like the awards aren't the biggest deal on the Grammys, but they're Mm. still a big deal because they're the biggest awards of the night. But like the everything else is what's going on during the Grammy show that makes it a watchable program to me, like the collaborations, the songs, the hosts. Mm. And I'm going to get into each of those. But the awards, I guess what I'm saying is that the Academy of Music trusts the awards to be important enough to make the moment when it's their time to be presented 
maybe the Oscars can learn something from that. Instead of having intermittently throughout the program, having people come out to like introduce a best picture nominee and mm-hmm. set the stage and show the trailer for it. Maybe you just trust that like everybody knows the best picture nominees and they're going to be there at the end of the night. And everybody knows best picture is the big award that matters at the end of the night. You don't have to keep trying to hammer that idea throughout the show. Mm. So I guess my big question is like the Oscars do spend most of the program giving out the awards and like you're saying setting yes. up the giving them out and giving them out and there are obviously we know there are five musical performances in a good year maybe six yep and then maybe you know maybe maybe seven in some some years and then there's a couple of bits there's some comedy going in and out of the presentations but obviously we know that they kind of follow the program like is is the grammys i really don't watch i i can't remember the last time i watched a full grammys i've watched like an hour of it before but it just hasn't been my bag i i think i'm a little intimidated because i'm never up on the on the music oh i don't know any of the music people anymore i'm old well i guess (laughs) to finally get to my question though mike is it like mostly musical performances like rock and roll hall of fame because i watched that i mean that's uh, they had so the highlights were like there was high energy all night because you had live performances that were just killer. I mean, Lizzo performed on her own. Brandi Carlisle, Sam Smith with Kim Petras, Mary J. Blige, a former Oscar nominee there. Uh, Harry Styles. Perform- they they killed all night. But there were also these giant collaborations that were their own performances, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stevie Wonder performed alongside Smokey Robinson and Chris Stapleton. There was a huge celebration of 50 years of hip-hop that had LL Cool J, Queen Latifah, Salt and Pepper, The Roots, and, like, literally dozens of other artists all performing this one, like... 12-minute section of a song. The closer was DJ Khaled with John Legend, Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, Rick Ross, and Friday. So they had something for literally everybody. Hmm. But yeah, they had a ton of performances. I have it written down somewhere. I want to say it was like 15 performances done throughout the night with the alongside... Uh, 12 total performances. I, 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 I do have it written down. There were 12 total performances, live performances, with hmm. at least a dozen or more live awards presented and given out, too. So there was that balance, like, yes, the Grammys probably have too many categories, but that's something I think is cool is that they're not afraid to add more categories as well. And here we are every year whining into the microphones being like, why can't they just add stunts? Why can't they just add casting cast categories for the Oscars? Well, here the Grammys actually do that, and they not only add categories, but they add like these huge swings of categories like best song of social change and the dr dre global impact award which are two new presentations that just happened this year along with four other new categories there are way too many grammys Mm -hmm. i agree with that you don't have to add four or six categories they added six new awards this year they don't have to do that every year but you also i don't know that you need to present all 23 awards live if you're the oscars anymore if the if in lieu of that you have collaborations going on you have the giant reunions going on like that godfather reunion that we got a couple years ago that could have been like a 10 minute segment if it was done well Hmm. you know and there was other cool pieces that the grammys had like they had multiple times throughout the night they just had a fan of each one of the artists who were nominated for either record of the year or song of the year i forget which and they would have them in this round table like the hollywood reporter does the actors round table online we've seen on youtube they had these fans in a round table and they just had them talking about why they think their artists had the best song of the year. Why? And they were just regular people. I thought that was very cool. They had a host 
who was an actual host. Like Trevor Noah, all night, he introduced presenters, he introduced acts, he introduced uh, awards. He was there not just three times throughout the program to remind you that, oh yeah, we actually have a host this year. He was there all throughout the night, and because he was there so much, he was in finding a groove in hobnobbing and like going off the cuff with these A-listers, interacting with Adele and Beyonce and Jay-Z. And it made you at home feel like mm-hmm. this was a big deal because you saw Trevor Noah interact with people who are all big deals. Wow. Like it, it was just it was just a very, very different type of viewing experience than I remember ever having from the Oscars. And I think part of the reason I'm so in tune with the Grammys is because I do think it is one of the best presented award shows every year. I think the music and the performances have a lot to do with that. But I refuse to believe the Oscars can't rely more heavily on live performances either. So I watched the Tonys one year when they they were giving everything to Hamilton, and I've watched the Grammys in the past, uh, like an hour here or there. I've never watched the full show. So I get that those two kind of award shows are built for a lot of performances worked in, but it, it does seem like this had a really good blend of all of it. And like you're saying, 12 awards presented over three and a half hours – it's very light on the awards presentation, so this makes sense now. It seems like, you know, this 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 will go fast and have a lot of momentum to it because they're presenting less awards now. The Oscars, I don't see. I mean, I don't see a natural way to avoid presenting awards as as you know presenting awards for much less time. I mean, the, even if right. you did, that's that's that's. I totally agree. If you're going to commit to having to showing all 23 within the, the program of the Oscars, I don't know that there's a good way to pace that program, that television. Pro- I mean, me- remember a couple of years ago when we had that skit with uh, Glenn Close doing the bump and doing like hip hop. And it was like yeah. it was a comedy skit that was weirdly angled in like past the 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern mark. And it was mm-hmm. the only comedy sketch of the, of the night. You if you're going to commit to showing all 23, which I get there's a lot of fervor on film Twitter for. You're doing that at the sacrifice of having an opportunity to show maybe the makeup and, and hairstylings and the costume design sets and having them be shown on a runway or being able to see all the music that was done this year performed live in a medley or being able to see uh, a collaboration or a reconciliation or a uh, reconvening of a cast from a famous movie that was released 20, 30, 40 years ago. Like that's the stuff you have to sacrifice if you're committing to keep all 23 on the Oscars program. That that runway idea was might have been your best inadvertent idea ever. Like why? I think isn't they there did a... that actually. I think they did that like in the early nineties. I don't really? think that's an idea of mine. I'll take the credit for it. Thank gladly. But I think they did that at a previous that Oscars. One. That's a great idea. They should just have a fat like a mini fashion show. Why not? And, yeah, it's a great idea. Can we just put all the Oscar shows on like Disney Plus too? Can we do that? Like what? what I, I, yeah. I, well, I'm, that's why. And, and honest, I'm, it's not just lip service. I keep talking about the Golden Globes because that's what I'm most interested to see what happens with them. And I have my problems with the HFBA. We've gone on ad nauseum about them. But the reason I keep bringing up the Golden Globes is because they're going to be the first ones taking this dip into a streamer, into this mm-hmm. unknown. And I, I mean, we both are entirely fascinated with how that's going to play out and what that's going to look like. And will the presentation be different? And what will they highlight? And will they stray away more from the award? Like, if the awards are what matters, then you you got to figure out a way to highlight the more important ones. I don't, I don't know how you go forward with an Oscars type ceremony by keeping all 23 awards televised. Hmm. Do you? 
Oh man, I look it. I still want a more creative presentation. I think you got to go nuts to try and have a fun presentation of each award. And look, I I I, I get that you got to give the entertainers more time, but there's there's going to be no Oscars where you have 12 performance pieces, right? Even even if you had like seven musical uh performances. You don't think Yeah, but even is, if you you don't think you could do that in lieu of like a performance you could have a, a reunion would would be a huge draw so let's say you do a reunion or two you do one at the beginning one at the end let's say you do three huge comedy bits i guess that's 12 12 yeah. performance pieces and then you give the big 12 on the night and then you kind of do the the golden shower and i could be i could also be underselling how many live awards were shown on the the grammys it could have been 15 could have been i, I don't know how many it was i didn't count Okay, a dozen is my baseline. That's I'm, I'm assuming there was at least that many, right? Well, film Twitter has officially turned against us once and for yeah. all. Chapter seventy five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. I still I still want to see all twenty three presented myself. I just want to see them do it more creatively. I'm think, I'm all for that. I'm all I, for that. I think when you have Melissa McCarthy or Ben Stiller presenting makeup and hairstyling or costumes like that is worth the price of admission that's a performance yeah and that's funny and then you know you could when you write these great presentations and that are not necessarily rushed that's great and maybe you do all three short films at once right maybe the short films win oscars but maybe they don't give 45 second speeches equal to everybody else and i know people get mad at me for that uh, but fine i Look at short films have been some of the best speeches in the past, but maybe the sound guy on Dune is not going to give the best Oscar speech. So maybe, maybe we have that you know thirty second student film tribute that he you know curated for himself along with a student volunteer, and and you, and, you, and that's the presentation. Again, you got to vary it up. You got to find a way to to have some fun presentations of these awards and they can do a classy job of that but they got to get creative and they haven't had to be creative all these years right they haven't right. had to because they had the 30 something million viewers every year the oscars right. they've been high on the hog they haven't needed this now they're humbled how after how many scandals after the ratings dip is there is their deal in jeopardy with disney maybe not because of all the legal issues but Maybe the next one is definitely the next one is right. I think it goes back to and what you're kind of hitting on is you have to decide what this show is for. And there's all like the present all 23 crowd is film Twitter. I mean, the film nerds and the film buffs and like the, you know, the Clayton Davises who talk to us. We want that. We want right. Exactly. Exactly. It's me. It's me too. I, I enjoy. But does the, the casual does the casual fan? I don't think right. the casual fan cares. And so it, it goes back to that poll of what is the Oscar? Who are the Oscars for? Are you making it for only film nerds? And I've said time and time again, you can't. If you make it only for film, you have to make it for casual fans. Because right. if you make it only for film nerds, you're excluding a, a massive party of your audience, and you're catering to people who are going to be there anyway. You don't have to take them for granted. You should do something that services the film nerds and the people that are there for you year in and year out. But I don't think you need to cater the entire show for them. And if you don't cater the entire show for them, maybe there is some leeway to play with how these things are presented hmm. to make it more consumable for the casual fan. It's uh, it's it's a quandary, let's just say. 
and I'm curious what they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna go back to more a more traditional Oscars this year. It's it seems yes, like. it sounds that way. It sounds that way. It seems like they're gonna be right down the middle. They're gonna go back to like a normal show. It'll Which probably also go stinks. three and a half hours. I yeah. mean, like, don't. It, it, that's another thing I liked about the Grammys. Like, they were hyper progressive and they DGAF. They did not care. Like, they didn't care about upsetting the other side of the aisle. Sam Smith and Kim Petras put on a performance that was done only and explicitly to elicit the exact type of outrage reaction they got from conservative pundits. And I was watching it being like, I mean, Sam Smith dressed as the devil. It was all in red and leather. And it was like, I was like, wow, people are going to hate this. And it's hilarious because this is, that's exactly what happened. And they went wild. And there was the people on the left who said it was awesome and artistically liberal. And it was so great to see. And there were the people on the right who said it was grooming and blah, blah, blah. The the Grammys did not hide their politics at all. And they got a 33% bump from last year's viewing audience. I mean, they have more people watch this Grammy show than watch the the uh, the April Oscars during the pandemic, once right. we had like under 10 million people. So there's something to be said for that, I think. Like, be who you are. Stop worrying about placating down the middle here. Just let people be. I don't know. You're, I may you're be saying com- conflicting. Uh, I am with those two because, things. I realize that. Because, you know, if they did play for the casual fan, the casual fan's going to be two kinds of political voter. You're right. You're right. And yet, I just want to see Sam Smith in more red leather. Maybe that's it. I think you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think you want to go back to the. I think I think the Oscars may be in danger of going, trying to go back to the good old days when the good old days have been long gone. You know, that's that could be an issue here, and maybe there's a there probably there's a ceiling on that. So let's say they do a 2015 circa 2015 kind of a broadcast. They let it breathe. They they do it all they uh, all that they want to do. They go four hours, and then they kind of have lulls in the broadcast. But they kind of go down the middle, and we got some bigger movies winning and bigger movies drawing people in. And there's all of it. And then what are we going to say at the end of the night when it's 18 million viewers and we're we're happy, but the Oscars are still on broadcast TV with 18 million viewers, and they're still it's not changing. That's not changing the calculus on their next deal with with Disney, right? I, I, maybe the you know, if it has become a program just for the film snobs that are going to tune in anyway, maybe this is the ceiling. I I still think you put the show in front of the audience, in front of a couple hundred million subscribers. That's going to be a different ball game and i wonder how sag's going to do on netflix i wonder how the golden globes are going to do wherever they land you know and what their deal is yeah i wonder who's going to pay what anyway uh let's get out of the grammy segment here just to mention Encanto won three grammys on the night because the grammys kind of have eligibility windows that are different but compilation soundtrack, score soundtrack, and song written for visual media. We don't talk about Bruno was actually nominated and it won. Uh, otherwise, best music film went to Jazz Fest New Orleans, which I have not watched yet. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's been on VOD forever. It wasn't really contending in terms of the best documentary feature category, but I always wanted to watch it. Anyway, I want to go to New Orleans. Yeah, that's that's a good point. They mm. apparently they do beignets. They're like. Oh, yeah. uh, there's just really, food everywhere from everything I've seen. Really tasty. Yeah. Otherwise, Viola Davis, she got yes. the EGOT. Uh, her Emmy win was for How to Get Away with Murder in 2015. Uh, she had a Grammy win 
for her audiobook performance of her memoir, Finding Me, uh, that Izzy had been uh, referencing quite a mm-hmm. bit in her videos. Uh, we're going to talk to Izzy, I hope, I think, uh, in the coming weeks here. It's, it's uh, planned anyway. <laughs> be kind rewind there. Uh, anyway, 2017, she won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in Fences, and she's won two Tonys, Viola Davis, 2001 and 2010. So that is her EGOT, Michael. Good for her. I mean, she's the 18th member of the EGOT Club, and she was on, I think it was Colbert, saying that, you know, she really, really wanted it, and she, she's not shying away from the fact that she wants to join the club. And she was a presenter later on in the night during the Grammys itself, and you could tell she was just beaming with pride. Good, good. So, she, I mean, she super deserves it. Especially in light of the snub this year. So, yeah. all right, that is our Grammy segment. Uh, let's move on to kind of how Hollywood marketed everything at the Super Bowl. And we're going to get into these trailers, but let's just talk about the program. We had Cheryl Lee Ralph singing uh, a song before the national anthems in America, uh, the beautiful Troy Kotzer during the national anthem. He was uh, he was uh, performing it in sign language on the field. He was great, too. He was very animated getting into it. Uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph was called out on her lip syncing some of the song or all the song. I don't know, but she, you know, some reporter asked her about it and she was like, did it matter? Do you care? Does it really matter? <laughs> no. Okay. Let's move on. That was she, her quote, uh, so good for her. She doesn't need to though. I mean, she basically belted out. I'm after... sure it has to do with the audio in the stadium. Probably. You know, I wish she didn't anyway. How about, uh, Chris Stapleton's national anthem? Did mm-hmm. you see the controversy going on over that? My brother had the over, and it was just over. So he was very oh, he got the, he he cashed out. Yeah, because there was a lot of people. I got like I saw it was like two o two, two minutes two seconds was the over under, and he finished at like two o one point seven something. My brother got it at like one fifty six. Oh, he's lucky. Well, Good for him. Well over. Good for him. I saw a lot of people like dying because they they hit an under with point three. That was a type of bet I usually miss. I did not bet on that. I did, however, get the coin flip right for the sixth year in a row. I All am right. the god at betting on the Super Bowl coin flip. Congratulations. Six years in a row, Mike. You guys are sick. Six what... years in a row. Anyway, uh we had a we had basically Hollywood uh involved in a lot of the marketing, like like the good old days. We had Ben yeah. Affleck uh working at Duncan. J-Lo rides through. It was a Geely parody, I think. I don't know. I, I giggled at that, and I think we mm-hmm. need to get Ben Affleck a, a body language coach because he looks miserable at times lately. Like, like, Remember the Batfleck interviews when he was sitting next to Henry Cavill and he was just like lost in darkness and Hello, Silence, My Old Friend was playing by Simon and Garfunkel? So you think you think he just looks miserable like in paparazzi photos, or do you think he... He looked miserable, like pretending to be Dunkin' Donuts. He looked miserable at, during that? that commercial. There was a time when Trevor Noah was talking to J Lo at the Grammys, and Affleck was sitting next to her. And he looked awful. I, he like, kind of looks miserable. He looks miserable in his new role in Air. We're gonna go yes, into that. Yes, I think. <laughs> I think we need to, we need to talk to Ben Affleck. Anyway, uh, Bradley Cooper and his mom. They basically seem like they cut a blooper reel, and then. Yeah. Because Bradley Cooper's mom was just not able to record a commercial with her son. That this seemed like, again, I don't know. I'm guessing that she was uh, so funny in the bloopers that they're like, all right, we'll just cut that together for a commercial to sell cell phones. Yeah, that was cute. It was a big day for moms on Super Bowl Sunday, right? You had this commercial, our mothers, Mama Kelsey. Big day for moms. 
Uh, we had Ben Stiller and then Steve Martin selling Pepsi. Funny Zoolander stuff there. Will Ferrell for Netflix and GMC. How about the combo uh, uh, advertisements? We had Michelob Ultra comboing with uh, Netflix. We had GMC comboing with Netflix there. I think we had Adam Driver selling watches. <laughs> This was a. There was like a couple companies that got super duper A listers that seemed to have no idea what to do with. Like they were shocked the A lister agreed to do their brand, and so they're like, "Does anybody have anything?" No. Oh well, just go shit. up there and be an A lister. Like there, there was a Serena Williams commercial where she was like reciting the parroting the speech from any given Sunday, yeah. and then at the end it was like for some liquor. I was like, "What?" It was weird. <laughs> uh, we did have a Paramount Plus commercial with sylvester salone yeah. hanging from a uh i mean a carving on outside of a mountain of sylvester salone <laughs> <laughs> we had a clueless parody that seemed to get a lot of play online with alicia silverstone for rakuten we had a caddyshack parody or a couple of them again michelob ultra Maya Rudolph's M&M's commercials were not received well, at least as far as I could tell. I wonder if that's the reason they brought the candies back so quickly, or if that was part of the marketing strategy, too. I don't know. I really don't understand. Uh, Danny McBride was doing a body wash. Sure. Uh, Ant-Man was selling non-alcoholic Heineken. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Coolidge's sticky makeup was funny. I didn't see this. (laughs) <laughs> Go look that up. Uh, there, right. there was a Breaking Bad parody with the guys back selling potato chips. Popcorners pop chips, which are popcorn chips. And both Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul have said in interviews, this ad is the final time they'll be playing their Breaking Bad characters. So, like, good luck to you if you had that square on your bingo card. <laughs> oh popcorners God. ad is the last time we're going to see Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. Uh, Miles Teller. A lot of people received his dancing in the living room with his wife for Bud Light, you know, getting a Bud Light from the fridge commercial. That was received well. They liked it? Yeah. What? People liked it. I mean, Anyway, it was, film Twitter. Well, it like. was cute. It was certainly cute. But, like, Bud Light, did they just discover they had a Super Bowl commercial 12 hours before the game was on or something? Or did they know that their production budget was only like $15? So you didn't like, this must be uh, a Valentine's Day recording. You no. didn't like the cutesy <laughs> No, romantic. I thought it was adorable. I just don't, mm-hmm. like, Bud Light is a titan of the Super Bowl commercial game. They're usually the first commercial we see on the first commercial break after the kickoff. We like they get to something funny. They usually like, we've had Bud Light frogs and Bud Budweiser frogs and Bud yeah. Light horses or whatever. The Bud Light night, like they're usually like a pop culture touchstone. And this year we got Miles Teller dancing with Kaylee <laughs> maybe, Sperry in their living room to hold music. I get, look at, maybe they just love ty- Top Gun as much as I do, <laughs> and they're just like, "Give me that guy. He could sell. He could sell a beer." <laughs> Okay, it's fine. That's all it takes. Did it work on you? Did you drink any Bud Light? I have. I just drink Guinness now. I mean, okay. but that's that's a me problem. <laughs> okay, it's better, easier on my stomach. Anyway, mm-hmm. Miller Light and Peacock combined, you know, with like Poker Face there. Or, or I think yep. I'm remembering correctly. Melissa McCarthy for Booking dot com. That was cute. and then the biggest hit was probably John Travolta, Zach Braff, and Donald Faison. For T-Mobile singing the Grease song, uh, the Tell Me More, Tell Me More tell song me there. Tell me more, tell me more. Uh, John Travolta, not going to put on the uh, the wig, huh? I didn't realize his bald head with big jet black beard 
was like his normal everyday look. <laughs> did you? Yes, I did. You thought he just did that up for the commercial? I thought he just did that up for like 17 really terrible movies that play overseas. <laughs> I had no idea that that was like his look now. Yeah, that's that's Travolta, baby. It was bizarre. Like, <laughs> that's like your uncle at a going through a midlife crisis. Like, it's if you, if I ever look like that, you mm-hmm. got to stop me. You just gotta <laughs> shave me. Just let me. Just hold you down and shave you. <laughs> yes, please. I'll do my best. Hey, speaking of midlife crises, <laughs> Fast X had its first trailer. We had a bunch of trailers debut during and before the Super Bowl. Uh, we can run through a lot of them here. Dom Toretto and his family are targeted by a by the vengeful son of drug kingpin Hernan Reyes. Okay, it's a simple plot. Dom accidentally ruined this guy named Dante's future in a previous movie. Oh, how did he do that? (laughs) Oh, because he left entire cities destroyed in his wake nine times. However many times he did it in each movie, because it was multiple times in each movie. So now Dante is out to ruin Dom's life. Of course he is, culminating in what, what looks like Dom's son getting kidnapped by Jason Momoa's Dante character. Yeah, the idea that it took this long to come up with this concept for a plot of a fast movie is hysterical. It's it's amazing. Like, what if there's some consequences to these guys' <laughs> reckless actions? So here's the scariest part, or it might be the best part. I don't know. But apparently IndieWire covered uh, a Vin Diesel interview where he admitted that he wrote the third act on the plane and route <laughs> to the set of Fast X. Is that an uh oh for you? Because that's an uh oh for me. Not to pile on Ben Affleck, but there's a Family Guy sket uh, breakaway where Ben Affleck's like, "Oh shoot, I got to play King Arthur in three hours. I haven't rehearsed." Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Nailed it. And he runs off. That's what it reminds me of. No, oh, no, we're in trouble. Anyway, I I think they got the nuts and bolts of the movie right though. So they got giant magnets with typhoon level winds. They got huge, indestructible balls rolling through cities and buses. By the way, (laughs) untold amounts of death with that ball. Just chopping city buses in half. They got five abreast street Mm -hmm. racing now, Mm -hmm. which just seems like too many abreast. Uh, We got Brother John Cena choke-slamming dudes through the top floors of two-story buildings. Uh, Excuse me, sir. He was hitting his finisher, the the formerly known as the FU, now known as the Attitude Adjustment. Oh, my God. We have uh, quotes like this. Winning used to be about winning. We raced for respect. Today, I raced to stop the bloodbath. Nailed it. Presented in exactly exactly the same tone as as Matt. Maybe rewrite that... uh, (laughs) You kind of go from zero to a 60. Anyway, uh, huge fights in the desert. Dom's car. Look at when Dom's car gets pulled apart by helicopters, right? Or you think it's gonna, but you know it's death proof. Mm-hmm. After it drops on the tanks, which is funny. I'm like yes. belly laugh. Dropped on the tanks. His Dodge Charger bl- the crushes the tanks, which is hilarious. <laughs> yes, yes. Then the helicopters can't immediately rip his car apart. Right. But he must, I mean, he, you know he, he, he gunned it. He hit the juice, right? Mm-hmm. The Nas, and yeah, that, sure. The Nas, he hits the Nas, and obviously he just brings those helicopters to the, to the ground immediately. Dom's and then, car is the densest, densest material on Earth. <laughs> it's made of vibranium. <laughs> and then, of course, he's driving off the Hoover Dam. He's right. like, 
Ride or die. <laughs> I mean, it looks good. Like, the big dumb action spots are great. <laughs> Nobody does them better than the Fast French. And once this country is finished and officially captured and taken over by the aliens who are slowly but surely starting to invade us anyway with all these That's UFOs, right. yeah. the Fast franchise is going to be America's legacy. Like, the Colosseum battles, we have those with the Romans. We have the lore of all the gods from the Greeks. America's legacy is the Fast franchise. I hope we all know and recognize this. Now, uh, that said, uh-huh. there were some things in this trailer that uh, were not were ridiculous, but unintentionally ridiculous. Like, the Fast franchise is one that's built on the concept of being ridiculous, but there were some voiceover things that did not fit. Jason Momoa's voice is supposed to be his voice. It does not sound like his voice in some voiceovers. Mm-hmm. There's a camera shot in the full trailer where Jason Momoa, I mean, I don't think he's gained that much weight that this would be him. I think it's a VFX thing. He's like a shave and a pair of glasses away from looking like George Costanza from Seinfeld to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, he he did. He did. He gained some weight. I mean, look at we, we have been. I mean, I've seen some pictures of myself at one stage of my life and then seen some pictures of myself at the next stage. I, I have no qualms if he gained weight. I just don't believe that's it. it. Like his face is just weirdly proportioned. I'll put it up on our, on our uh, online. I took a screenshot of it. It just looks odd to me. It does not look like Jason Momoa is my point. And he looks yeah. like Jason Momoa throughout that trailer. It looks like it. What would you be that surprised if he pulled off the goatee and it's Jason Siegel? Would you be that? Problem <laughs> for forgetting Sarah Marshall shrinking, which is a great new show, by the way, on Apple Plus. He uh, he kind of looks like Jason maybe that's Siegel. the big twist instead of going that's to space where this franchise needs. Oh, and by the way, hey Jason, uh, kill the kid, just kill him. <laughs> Dom murdered your entire family, right? Don't hesitate, uh-huh. just kill the child. Just shoot him. Yeah, shoot him. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we can go back right now. I have a gun. <laughs> we can end this really quick. All right, so that's Fast 10. I cannot wait to review that with you. Uh, let's talk about Air for a second. We kind of already did. This is Ben Affleck as the head of Nike with uh, Matt Damon. It ba- It's basically a lot of white guys walking in and out of offices. Maybe the best ever. Uh, Mike, movie of white guys walking in and out of offices. Do you realize how big a year this is for white guys walking in and out of buildings? Mostly men, but also some <laughs> women too. Like this movie, the Tetris case movie, Oppenheimer, Legally Blonde three. The greatest year ever of white guys. <laughs> big year for white guys sitting walking in and out of offices. But this, look, I, I, I know a lot of people love this trailer and they want to see Air, and I, I, I will see it too. Don't get me wrong. But this is the first movie in a while where I'm going to need a feature-length parody film of Air. <laughs> A-S-A-F-P. Can someone get on this, please? This is reminiscent of, like, blue chips in the terms of the quotable things and some of the overacting that's going on. And uh, it, it, uh, Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing... Take. I'm willing to bet my career on this one guy, and then they immediately show him at the craps table. I'm going to need the best basketball shoe ever made. You went to the house, and everybody just like Jason Bateman, it just might as well just be somebody, it might as well just be Jason Bateman reading a script mm-hmm. saying, all right, I got to oppose you now, and I got to be a contrarian. Don't do that. You can't. You went to the house. <laughs> and then all the Ben Affleck stuff. You mean you're going to hire a rookie? 
Come on. A rookie? It's never been done before. I mean, the highlight for me was at least Dire Straits uh, Money for Nothing is a cool. That should play during every movie set in the 80s because that makes you feel like a an old Wall Street tycoon ready to do a line off a stripper's ass while you have a cell Look, phone that's like four sides the time of your head. If you're going to make a great movie <laughs> about white guys going in and out of offices, I agree. That's the yeah. perfect song. So, uh. <laughs> Well, if that trailer wasn't problematic enough, let's talk about The Flash. <laughs> so I think I gave you some misinformation, Michael, when I yeah. said that the, you know, the, the DCU, yeah. and I guess I'm correct at this, but the DCU wasn't going to get too much into multiverses however the finale of the dceu comes first here and that's going to be a multiverse movie kind of thing into the spider-verse kind of thing so you're getting you're right you're getting all multiversed out sooner than later what'd you think (laughs) so the flash i mean look i like this story i watched the animated film on hbo max like a year ago i just watched the, the story the flashpoint paradox right it's awesome it's absolutely awesome. It's like one of the best one of those animated movies. So this should be a good story. The trailer just seems like, like I don't know if they're going to follow the story to a T, if they're just going to bring back all the Snyderverse characters to stand in for all the characters that were actually in the animated film and the comics that I'm guessing. I, you know, we don't read those, but like I liked Man of Steel uh, more than Snyder's other films. Yep. I thought it was kind of, good fight scenes but zod got his ass whooped that yeah. whole movie like why are we bringing back this character that just got crushed like the whole problem with the villain the villains in the dceu is that they weren't formidable enough no well that's certainly part of it the other one is i mean i think the reason they're bringing back zod is never mind that he's not formidable but other than doomsday can you name a dceu villain Doomsday... Like, there's Joker, obviously, who's been done to death. Doomsday was not formidable enough. Joker was always formidable, and if he was uh, teaming with Lex Luthor and it was a Legion of Doom to match the, you know, the Justice League, maybe that would have worked better than what we ended up getting, them trying to do the whole Thanos thing. Anyway, I just think... I I don't know that they have any recognizable bad guys that you can bring back and be like, oh, shoot, he's in this movie? Like, they wanted the Alpha Molina octopus, Doc Ock type thing, So, but all they have is Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon just doesn't seem to have the heft. I mean, he has the heft as the actor, but he doesn't have the heft as the character. Anyway, we had a big reveal for Michael Keaton as as a Batman, as the Batman, Uh, Kara as Supergirl, Sasha Cali there. I'm pleased with both of those. I am happy that the marketing seems to be going Batman heavy. I think that's smart because if you're going to do this movie, which I don't think you should do, uh, you know, for a lot, you, you're better off leaning on Michael Keaton being in it than you are Ezra Miller yeah. with all his issues. My big concern, and, and Swell and I actually had a long conversation about this the other night over text. Hmm. My big concern is how WB is going to treat Ezra Miller at the end of this. Like, Yes, they're standing behind him now, and they're saying all the right things. But do you have any hope that they do any business with Ezra Miller in the future? And if the answer is no, then isn't the only reason they're propping him up right now because they know that this movie is being used as a jumping-off point for all their properties in the James Gunn DC, and they know that it's going to be a, a profitable movie? 
And if that's the case, aren't they just mm-hmm. exploiting this kid who obviously needs help and should probably be in like some kind of therapy and like under lock and key 24-7 right now for his own sake and the sake of others? Like this all seems very gross to me. I'm more concerned about the sake of others Same. in this situation. Yeah, However, I do think they're kind of putting him under lock and key. Like we haven't heard zip from him other than a quick statement from his publicist, yep. right? And my, my concern is not that what's happening now. My concern is what happens to their treatment of him once they're done with this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, look at So if you're telling me that they're, that they're not behind, I mean, I don't know who's behind his care right now. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Care for. So I, I like, I, I, I don't know. So I, I, I'm not going to necessarily jump off the cynical, would you be surprised Diving if they board? do business with Ezra Miller after this movie is done? Yes, yes I would be I would, surprised. I would too. So, so look at I mean, if they're not caring for him right now, they're allowing him to make tens of millions of dollars with this. No, he's probably got a deal to where he's probably some doing kind of fine. yeah, some kind of yeah. So he something. this is a career maker for him, mm-hmm. right? If they if they shelved this, his career would have been over. Now, most likely. Sure. Look, I, at, I'm, I'm I think, you. I think the bigger question surrounding Ezra Miller is who's he's hurt, right? Or who's oh, absolutely, absolutely groomed in it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, that's the whole issues to this situation. And then if we're putting him on screen as a superhero, it's also problematic. Yeah, I don't mean to to belittle. I mean, obviously, that's the more. But you're right. They could thing. also be exploiting but his. I think it's clear image. that they're trying to get blood from a stone here. And they they see this movie as the, you know, you got James Gunn calling it the greatest superhero movie ever made already. Trying to get people yeah. in the theaters for it because he knows it's his opportunity. Like he needs this as his linchpin into what he wants to do with all these movie and, and film or TV properties. And yes. And no, I don't, I don't see how that happens. Like I, I saw the, again, I know the story a little bit. I, it's gonna be a reset, whatever. Okay, you could have done I, that. Maybe in any I'm movie. very wrong. Maybe I'm completely off base, and that's fine. I, I, I don't know. I just I feel icky about this movie completely. Watch one of your man of recaps videos for the Flashpoint Paradox. I don't think all that any. necessary. I, I, I'm going more off what Gunn has said than I am what <laughs> this movie looks like. But yeah, I don't. Who knows? I don't know. I'm doing some story doctoring. I don't see how it. It's that big of a deal. Anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Uh, I'll just say a few words on it. it funny setup with uh, Star-Lord talking about Gamora there. I won't give it away. Uh, and then a kind of a funny way out of that scene. So the, a really funny setup and a really funny punchline. And then just some wacky visuals throughout this trailer, just like the last few trailers, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Uh- Cool look of Adam Warlock in this. There's a cool Willy Wonka factory fight setting in their colored garb. It looks, I don't know what the hell's going on there, but it's like a very stark visual. It looks like we got a rocket origin story of some type that's centered around he and our main antagonist played by Chukwudi uh, Iwuji there. So I'm all for it. I also like that they seem to be angling themselves away from Chris Pratt with all his baggage and angling themselves more into VFX small cute animals because there were a lot of those in this trailer. There were a lot of those. I can I cannot see enough of Rocket cuddling yes. with that uh, little sea otter character. That's hilarious. But somebody's gonna die in this movie too, right? Because we see like throes of grief from Star Lord, don't we? 
It's got to be Rocket, right? You would think, but you don't know. I, I don't know who's going to die. I, I do think there's going to be a major death in this movie, which again is kind of the MCU getting back to some stake, stakes to a degree. I hope. That'd be nice. I mean, do all the ant people die? I think they do. Well, Kang's going to run amok in I, a couple I, of days. I no? agree. I think they're, they're meeting their demise, but does it matter? I mean, can't you just wait a couple of years and go to a different universe and Paul Rudd will be there too? Maybe. <laughs> then again, I don't think necessarily all. Maybe the daughter will survive, but that's it. Yeah. Like all the other ant people die. Yeah. Uh, Paul Rudd's dead. Four for four. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad for his chiefs, though. All right, look at Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. Uh, I don't think they said that correctly. Honor Among Thieves. Yeah. Anyway, is the grammar right or wrong? I don't know. Tell it's, me. Uh, Chris Pine going up against the greatest evil the world's ever seen, though. I know that. There's like every single creature you could ever imagine, every single character you could ever imagine in that movie, which I guess kind of honors the game, so that's hopeful, right? Gabrus kind of did an episode on on this movie's trailer, so he was into it. Brandon Lee Mulligan so. should have written the script for this. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he's in there yeah. somewhere. Uh, maybe the future. Maybe it's his franchise, and then he gets his hands on it at some point. Yeah. We had uh, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. What the hell's going on here, Michael? <laughs> uh, Pete Davidson voicing Mirage. Michelle Yeoh and Ron Perlman are also voices in this. Anthony Ramos of In the Heights is the star. I don't know. It's intriguing. I don't know why I'm I'm drawn to this franchise. <laughs> Have you seen all the movies? I saw. I've seen. I think three of them. Not all of them. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Can I say that you haven't even watched all the movies and you want to do a rewatch them. series? <laughs> you want to dedicate how many hours of film study time? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Cocaine Bear had some funny marketing with the bear that, snorting yeah, lines the, on the football field. The starting lineup thing was was funny. There was a, a thing online about the bear. Uh, they tagged the Chicago Bears and it'd be like, hey, I heard the draft's coming up. And they had a, yeah. a player profile <laughs> uh, card for the Cocaine Bear and it was like height, weight, people killed. <laughs> <laughs> so Cocaine Bear, I mean, they kind of keep replaying all the same yeah hits in the tri- in the marketing but it, it seems funny 65 which is adam driver going back in time does this look like the stupidest concept for a movie you've ever seen or am i just very cynical it's definitely a stupid title 65 million <laughs> years back in time to fight dinosaurs with a laser gun <laughs> great uh all right creed 3 i think you know we kind of saw some cool graphics with the, the you know the three Roman numerals there, uh, but otherwise kind of the same trailer we've been getting for Creed three. Um, they kind of had the marquee spot at halftime because seven trailers were announced that uh, were shown in the first quarter, Michael. None in the second quarter, which was unique. I don't know if it was unique, but it was it struck me. And then you know a couple in the second half, like John Wick and Scream. I don't remember when they showed up. I don't remember Indiana- seeing Scream at all. Right. I don't remember seeing John Wick or Scream at all, but but everything that uh, was released preemptively showed that these were going to be Super Bowl trailers. Anyway, Indiana Jones kind of had the same manic trailer (laughs) that they've been showing. I'm just hopeful that that director can handle it. No, I can't believe Harrison Ford's doing this. (laughs) He really does look old. Like he's, it's too old. He's too old for this shit. (laughs) 
That's what we know. He is too old for this shit. I mean, are you? I am not in the indie franchise. Certainly not as much as you. Anyway, are you excited for this at all? Like, it's a. It's clearly a redo for the he's last an eighty-year-old man, and we're supposed to believe like he's running around with the hat and the whip. <laughs> Like he could barely. They move should have him the sing of... the theme song and play it during the the chase scenes. <laughs> da, 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 da. Da, da. It, it would make more sense if he's doing none of the work <laughs> and he's the guy in the chair, yeah, and everybody else is doing the work. But like, look, he can barely move around the set of shrinking. Yeah, like he's just old now. It's it. You, that's it. Stick a fork in him. Done. Poor Harrison Ford. No, he's he's doing he's working more than I any know. of us are, I, I guess. Know. So I mean the guy is getting his reps. Oh my god. All right, so let's finish with the Scream 6 trailer. Uh we we've gotten uh, we've gotten a lot mm. from Scream 6 right now. And I don't want to do our big preview segment yet. You're you're not ready, I'm not ready. Yeah. We want to go over it. But I do think it's fun that all of the principal characters, except for maybe Melissa Barrera, have gotten these whiffs of death in these trailers thus far. Yeah, Maybe Jenna Ortega can be included in that as well. But I haven't seen Ortega running for her life yet, or Barrera, but I definitely see the, the brother and sister, and I've definitely seen Courtney Cox. Well, Ortega and nearly... Barrera, have, uh, they were in the... The supermarket or the, uh, the you know the corner store. Okay, all right. The, uh, and who's who's climbing the ladder to get out of the the apartment building? The sister there. Um, okay, so Ortega times two. What am I saying? No, I don't think no. It's I don't think it's Ortega. I think it's um. I think it's the uh, Randy's uh, niece. Okay, I think. Gotcha. Um, all right, and she she almost bit it on the subway. As far as yes, we know, correct. She's the one who we're made to believe comes face to face with the uh, the ghost face there. Which I think is all red herring. I don't think anything happens on that subway. But that's based on nothing. Some, most of these have to be a red herring, right? I mean, well, one of those two have to be a red herring. She can't. Well, her crossing the ladder twice. to go to a. You know, that's how, that's really the killer there chasing them. Mm-hmm. Right. What if there is no killer? What if well, that's that's, that's where I'm at. Like they're they are hammering this whole <laughs> I'm something different thing. Like they, it is so being like beaten down over and over again that this killer is something different. To me, it's like okay, you're you're kind of overselling the twist. So I don't know. Maybe it is a twist that's going to live up to the hype, and we're going to get like maybe the killer's Sydney the whole time. That'd be wild. I doubt it. I don't think that's possible at all. And I do think she's going to come back for the seven for the end of this trilogy. Um, Uh But I don't expect to see her in this movie whatsoever. Wow. But. I do like some of the things we've got. Like, that shrine is a really cool idea. How the killer has a shrine in the full trailer with, like, all the different, you know, uh, Billy's mother's pantsuit and all the different scream masks and cloaks and uh, Randy or, uh, Stu's sister's uh, yellow shirt and skirt from the original Scream on mm-hmm. mannequins and stuff. Like, that's a really cool concept. Being in New York on its own is a really cool concept. There's a lot of stuff that I do dig that we've gotten from these trailers I I'm cur- I don't know where they're going with this. I don't know what to expect from Kirby, Hayden Panettiere being back. I'm excited about that. That phone call from Gail, I'll get into why it's such a historic event next time we whenever we do do our big uh, preview here. But 
there's a lot of stuff that has been presented differently for this one that I'm very curious about. Sam is schizophrenic. We know this. Melissa yes. Barrera's character. So is she, I mean, do, are is you she Tyler she, Durden? She might be the killer. I, that thought's crossed my mind. Yeah, if that just, happens, then you have to bring Sydney back for seven. And it does turn into Sydney versus Sam, right? Hmm. That has to be the ending of this. Which is good, though, right? Isn't it good? I would but love it's that. not. I would love but it's that. not the who done it. Like the scream of formula. Is I don't the think we're getting. A, I don't think we're getting a who done it for the next one. Really? I think. I mean, if I had to place my bet on like what the different is, I right now I'm leaning towards either we know the killer at the end of this and he gets away uh-huh. to set up seven, or one killer gets revealed and they reveal there's another person who we know who's from the past. That's been their partner the whole time. So you think they're going to break the formula and they're trying to get us to realize they're going to break the formula. However, the the breaking of the formula is going to happen for the next movie and they're going to give us like a movie buffer and they're just trying to give us a heads up with the marketing. That's, you know, ki- that's kind of where I'm at. I, well, I, th- I think the different has to do with like who the killer is. So like, you know, if we find out who the killer is and... We know who the killer is going into the next movie. That's different because the killer doesn't die in this movie. Like they have every scream so far. You know what I mean? Gotcha. How if, if they have a partner from the past and they reveal they have a partner from the past, that's different. We go into the next one trying to figure out who could possibly still be alive and tormenting. You know, that's different. How likely is it that it's Dermot Mulroney? <laughs> because there's still like th- it's possible. It's know, possible. The, the websites are still playing the, you know, they they're they're sending out the brackets, the odds. They they did some like box pools with Scream, <laughs> guessing who the killer is. They had these fun box pools. I don't know. It, I mean, it's enti- it, it could be any of them. I have no. But I don't know what's coming from Scream official. What's coming officially from Paramount? I don't know. Other than the marketing, that is. You're right. I think it's unique this time. Yeah, they're setting us for some. Setting us up for some kind of change, which is always the risky thing when you have a franchise this successful. However, I, I am glad that we have, I, I legitimately care about seven characters going into this movie. Legitimately. Wow. No, who's the, don't who's you? The se- who's the seventh? Well, Kirby and uh, Courtney. Yeah, Kirby, Gale. Kirby, Gale, and the then four the five. Kids. Oh, there's four kids. Who's the fifth? Oh. Well, I yeah, mean, there right, is six there, kids. There are two like new ones who are part of the core four from last movie. Who I mean, they have to introduce. Sorry, I miscounted suspicions. six. Yeah, all right, yeah. I, I care about six. Yeah, I care about six. But that's that's good. I care about six. Yeah, characters absolutely. Going into the next movie, absolutely. that was the formula the first time. Yep. To get us to care about, you know, the principles. And if you follow that formula, one of uh, Randy's niece or nephew is definitely dying in this movie, <laughs> or the killer. Or the killer. Yeah, could be the killer. That's true. Well, that would be different, too. One of the core four turns out to be, you know, maybe maybe that's it. Mm. And then it becomes a core three for the final movie. Mm-hmm. You can get them into the next trilogy. Hopefully they survive. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jenna Ortega just kills all of them just in real life because she's the most famous one now. And she doesn't she's too big for this. <laughs> Come on, you can't be too big for screen, can you? Uh, they got their hook. I mean, how lucky are they to have gotten their hooks into her to play a, this major role in this trilogy? And now her star has taken off in the way it has. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, I'm it's excited. Exciting. 
All right. And uh, I'm not excited that it comes out the Friday before the Oscars. (laughs) At least they released it at a convenient time for (laughs) two guys named Mike. Yeah, we still have to see it. We still have to see it that weekend. What are we going to do? Not see it? No, we have to see it. We have to do it. We've got to talk about it. So we'll uh, we'll be delaying our Oscars coverage. (laughs) (laughs) As always, what matters most to us are your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. Uh, What do you have about anything we discussed in this episode? Do you have any thoughts on the Oscars nominee luncheon? Do you have any thoughts about the MUA winners, about the trailers you saw at the Super Bowl? What are your takes on the Grammys uh, and how they stack up against the Oscars show? Let us know all that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO universe. As always, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on either the Apple podcast or Spotify apps, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those go a long way in helping us out. Thank you to everyone who has been able to do so thus far for us. Michael, tell the good people what's coming next and let's have some words of wisdom. Well, we have a uh, special on supporting actress in the acting categories to an extent. We have a special on the artisan categories. Uh, We have a special on best picture. We have a final preview. We have uh, an Oscar bets special, uh, most of which that we have booked with uh, with interviewees. And uh, we we had a we have to finalize some bookings there, but uh, those are exciting. We have the Oscar race checkpoints reacting to the BAFTAs and DGAs. We're gonna do in one show the PGAs and SAGs. We're gonna do in one show uh, the Indie Spirits, and somewhere amongst all that, we're gonna be reviewing and previewing and basically obsessed with Scream Six. I was gonna say all of that culminating into, of course, <laughs> our review of Scream Six. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, in terms of words of wisdom, I do want to shout out a uh, show where I guested. Yes. And uh, guys, listen to Perpetual Cinema at Perpetual Cinema at, uh, on Twitter here. He just started his uh, his his handle, uh, his account, and uh, loved the uh, the experience. It was with uh, Thomas Green and uh, at Geek Solid. We had uh, Andy as well guesting and it was the three of us going back and forth on why the oscars are important (laughs) or not and it was a really deep discussion mike i learned a lot from these guys it was it was a lot of fun to to take part in i was listening back today and it was it was a really good addictive listen so we got into a lot of the stuff that you and i have been getting into over the years a lot of the stuff that you know yeah we've talked about about you know in our how to fix the oscars shows and it was cool. It was a fun, fun, long conversation panel show that uh, Thomas has started up at Perpetual Cinema. So subscribe. And, you know, if you want to hear me more, I'm on there. <laughs> <laughs> and you were on the side that the Oscars do matter or don't? I was still on the defense of the do matter. Yes, okay. I was. I But I mean, we I think we 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 landed on. Uh, I mean, we landed on both sides of the argument in the sense that it's declining and here's how to, here's how to fix it. We hope. Yeah. And I, I thought we said some good things and I, I thought I learned some, you know, some interesting takes from them and yeah, it was, it was good. And you know, he lived out there, Thomas for, for nine years, right. And he worked right across the, from the Dolby theater. Cool. So it was, it was, yeah, it was, it got some inside baseball going on there too. There you go. Be on the lookout. Uh, you go seek that out. Leave a five-star review for that. Leave a five-star review for us. Uh, Michael, 
Good work by you here. Guys. You too, man. Thank you, sir. Uh, when reality sucks, you can come talk about the Oscars nominee luncheon with us. We are Mike, <laughs> Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We'll see you all very soon. Biggest episode of the year. Mission accomplished. <laughs> see you later.